0: Be quiet, unknown from You're listening to Destination Blackout, the Wangan Midnight Maximum Tune 2, released April 25th, 2005, composed by Yuzo Koshiro.
1: Maniacs, welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapal. it is Petroth.
0: Hey, 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 man, good to be back. Don't know why I did a Fat Albert thing there, but we're going to
2: roll
1: hey, with hey, it. Hey, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it. And, uh, yeah, as we teased last week on the episode, we don't usually give away what's coming up next. We have something special here today, and I'm going to let you talk about that in just a second. But real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG Era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week, works wonders as well. And of course, as always, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zenku. So yeah, Bedroth, this episode that we're doing here today, the very first ever part two of a composer appreciation, and I think this might be the first time we've even done back-to-back composer appreciation episodes, would not have been possible if it was not for you oh, well it was my pleasure and yeah so
0: i guess uh, go ahead and rehash the story here real quick uh one of the, well the first time that you appeared on my show very good music my my other show was i was in the middle of a season of composer appreciation episodes myself and the third episode we did that season was about Yuzo Koshiro, who I know is your
1: favorite composer. Absolutely. All-time favorite composer.
0: And so I invited you on to uh, join me and share a few songs. And it was really exciting for me to dig into Koshiro's library because as big a fan as I was of his, I was really mostly familiar with the big ones, uh, Streets of Rage, Act Razor, uh, you know, games, games like that, like the games from when I was growing up. And I wasn't as familiar with a lot of the other stuff that he had done in the meantime. And so that was a really cool episode. I uh, had, of course, listened to your first Composer Appreciation episode uh, by Koshiro, but Mm -hmm. I listened to so many podcasts that uh, a lot of times the individual songs get lost in the shuffle. Well, fast forward, when I was doing my research, I learned a couple of different things. I do not remember the specifics right now, but I learned a couple of things about uh, how Koshiro had composed some of the things that he did it was either on ActRaiser or maybe Revenge of Shinobi one of the early games and I commented about that on uh, on Twitter or I, I asked him a question I tagged him and asked a question because he is one of the most accessible composers out there uh, he, he responds he interacts it's really cool and he replied back to me and was impressed that I had, had noticed what I was talking about and uh, eventually he followed me on Twitter um, after a couple of interactions and so that was super cool, and um, I kept in touch. Uh, thus emboldened, I tried to cultivate, you know, kind of a, a on and off conversation, uh, just behind the scenes and publicly. And eventually, I got it in my head. You had done a couple of interview episodes by this time, and I got it in my head. You know what? It would be really cool if uh, Brian actually got to uh, be part of an interview with Yuzo Koshiro. And I didn't want to bring it up and then have it not happen. So. Uh, without you knowing, I reached out and asked if he would be interested, and he said yes, but with the caveat that he wanted to be able to record his answers and not not just do it live on a, like like by a live interview. Um, and he wanted to record the answers in English. Uh, I did offer the services of Kyle um, from. The media files. Yes, the media files. Uh, who, who, you know, who, uh, who, does know Japanese? Fluent. Japanese, said, no, which that's... is one of my
1: favorite things about him.
0: But uh, yeah, but Koshiro-san said no. Uh, thank you. That's that, that's fine. I'll, I'll be happy to record in English. Um, but he he did want to uh, pre-record his answers. So uh, that's when I let you know, and we got down to the business of uh, formulating our questions. Which, of course, we'll get to later in the episode. And the rest is kind of kind of history. We sent over his questions and. After about a month of uh, back and forth and clarifying things and stuff like that, uh, of course, he also is, is busy working on other things right now, but he uh, sent back his answers, and uh, we've been sitting on it for a little bit, but now, in, uh, in this month of Masters of EGM, I can't think of a better time to uh, bring Koshiro back to BG Media.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the perfect time to do this. We plugged it at the uh, the end of last week's show as well, this Masters of EGM event that is currently ongoing the entire month of June 2022. Uh, you know, there's, I don't even know how many lots podcasts of, involved yeah, in lo- this. Lots of
0: video game music podcasts have gotten yeah. together, releasing. Uh, it started out as kind of the idea of who would we put on our VGM Mount Rushmore. And so most people are picking four composers. If you are going a little more, a little less. But uh, several episodes have already been released. So if you're interested, um, when you're done listening to, to this awesome episode, go over to... Uh, um, Masters of BGM, just spell like it sounds. dot com, VGM dot com, and you can look at a list of the shows that are participating. We've got a live uh, Twitter feed. Anybody, anytime somebody uses the hashtag Masters of BGM, it pops up there. So everybody is posting their episode on Twitter and using the hashtag, and so you can kind of scroll down and see who has already posted and uh, go take a listen if you like.
1: Yeah, such a cool idea that. Uh... You know, I know you weren't the only one responsible for coming up with it, but you kind of took charge of it, and,
0: and yeah, kind of helped. Ended up I becoming something was, way bigger than I, I think it. you probably thought it would. <laughs> oh yeah, I did not anticipate this many would get involved, but it's really, really cool. Uh, this that kind of thing really jazzed me. Uh, I'm a I'm a connector by nature, so uh, which kind of also brings us back to the topic of this episode. Is I was really excited to be able to, uh, to do this for you.
1: Yeah, no, I was I was blown away when you came to me and let me know this was something you were kind of working on individually um, for a while without me knowing, and Kyle even knew before I knew, and kept it a secret as well. So when you presented this idea, I was like, well, hell yeah, dude, we're totally 100% going to do this, and I I do think (laughs) that, um, you know, obviously, Koshiro has, has done some interviews in the past, and... I've listened to a majority of those that I can, and I've read a majority of those that I can that are in English. Mm -hmm. Um, So we wanted to try to, you know, steer the questions a little differently from things maybe that you haven't heard before, and we're going to break this up because, as you mentioned, um, he's not here with us on the show. I mean, he's here in spirit, and we're going to be listening to his music for the entirety of this episode. But you and I are going to ask these questions still when we get into it a little bit later on, we're going to break it up. We have six questions. Uh, We're going to break it up two questions a piece and, you know, we'll discuss and talk about the answers um after we do a question but we'll we'll stylize it as if we're asking the question we'll play his response and then we'll discuss that and and talk about it and i think that's going to be really fun i'm excited to do this
0: me too man and again i was excited to dig into his music this is the fastest i think i've ever turned around a playlist and uh, i i had at one point um a bigger list of koshiro tunes that i just hadn't used in other other podcasts but I went through and deleted several of my playlists a while back to free up some room, and that was one of them, so I I had to kind of go back, but I remembered some of the games that I really wanted to explore more of, and a couple of these tracks that I picked really were were kind of no-brainers for me, I wanted to, uh, to showcase them, but a couple of these songs I was really excited to discover as I was listening through some of the soundtracks I really liked. And that opening track is probably my favorite example of, of that. Man, what a kick-ass tune. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: What an amazing piece of music. You sent it to me, um, you know, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. You and I are recording this episode literally the night after we recorded last week's episode. So we're doing these back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And we finished pretty late last night after the, uh, the Hiroki Kakuda episode. It was like 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And you sent me this and you're like, oh, my God, I just found the opening for, t- you know, tomorrow's episode. <laughs> and I listened to this probably three times after you sent it to me before I ended up falling asleep. Like, I just couldn't get enough of that Eurobeat, dude. It's yeah, just man, so I was freaking
0: good. Listening to it all morning at work. And uh, after after listening again to um, to Koshiro-san's responses of, for the interview. I can tell that at least some of the voiceover that you hear on this track, uh, "Destination Blackout" from One Gun Midnight, Maximum 22 so At least some of that is uh, Koshiro himself, which
1: I love. I love yeah, that. Yeah,
0: it's it's just it's just so cool, and it's cheesy in in the best possible way. But that Eurobeat, there's nothing cheesy about that man. That is just raw energy and musical form. And uh, you'll actually uh, you'll hear a comment from one of uh, Koshiro's answers about this series as a whole as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I'm glad you picked from this series. And I, I even mentioned that to you after we got the responses. like, we need to be sure to play something from this because of what he said during that answer. So had you not picked from this series for your list, I would have had to have done it myself.
0: Yeah. And if you like this tune, the whole series is, is this. This is a racing series. Um, Namco published, I believe, uh, locked to Japanese arcades. I, I think that maybe one of them might have been ported over here at one point to, uh, to one of the, the newer systems, but I, I can't even swear to that. Uh, the first game in the series was just called Wangan Midnight, and then the second one was called Wangan Midnight Maximum Tune. but they went ahead and added the two. And then for every subsequent release, it was Wonga Midnight Maximum 2 and 3, 4, etc. There are seven or eight games in this series, including a couple of spinoffs. And so every soundtrack is pretty big. So you can definitely get a lot of time out of of this if you want to do a deep dive.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, I talk about it all the time when we're talking about Koshiro. I, I just love his sound and his style and just the way he fuses all these different genres and and really makes you feel the uniqueness of each of those genres through his compositions and i don't talk about like the euro beat euro pop stuff often but it is something that i really get down with so much so that on max level we do a segment called kickstart my heart The version of that is a cover by a YouTube artist, but his name is Turbo. It's a Eurobeat version of Kickstart My Heart that we use in the background during that show. Like, I really enjoy this sound.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. And um, I know at least one of your tracks from later on is from a game that uh, I featured a track from in our episode, uh, Misty Blue. And um, I featured a Eurobeat track from, from yes. that game on your guest spot on Very Good Music.
1: I remember that. And that's how I remember this game when I knew I wanted to. Because that was something for me is that I didn't know what direction I wanted to go, like for the games that I wanted to choose for my list on this episode. Obviously, Frank yeah. and I did a part one for Yuzo Koshiro three, four years ago, back in the early days when we just started first doing. You may have. Def, I don't know that he was the first composer appreciation that we did an episode for. He was an early but he one, was for sure. Within the early one, he was within the first year, so it was definitely at like twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen, that we did that episode. And we've played so much of Yuzo Koshiro's music here on the podcast in the past. I wanted to kind of explore a little bit of a different route with my choices but also still highlight some of my favorite series that he's worked mm-hmm. on and yeah. you even mentioned it before we got started. No Streets of Rage on the show today.
0: Yeah, No Streets of Rage. We had one, but I subbed it out at the last minute again so I could bring in a game that Koshiro mentioned in at least one of his answers. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. And uh, I took kind of a similar, similar approach. I knew a couple of the games I wanted to feature in my list. I wasn't quite sure what songs but I, I just kind of I kind of threw threw a dart for those. Uh, Then I listened to a couple of soundtracks I wasn't as familiar with and picked out some, what I thought were some really unique sounding songs that showcase Koshiro's range. Uh, I feel like the difference between, we made some similar comments last week in the Hirokuda episode about fusing genres and really being able to uh, you know to showcase different aspects of different types of music and blend them together in really creative ways. I think the difference with Koshiro is that his music doesn't sound weird, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. Kakuda is Kakuda is a very eccentric composer, and um, again, unlike Kakuda, Koshiro actually does have classical musical training. His mom was a piano teacher, and he actually studied under uh, Joe Hisaishi of Studio Ghibli fame for a little bit, and so he he knows his stuff. And when you hear his like more classical or film score sounding stuff, you can tell the depth of his understanding of music from from the level of a craft and not just an art. And his music is, I think, it's a little bit more focused. And uh, it, it's uh, not to say what's better or worse, although I think, you know, you and I both, we, we, we our, our preference leans more toward a Yuzo Koshiro than a Hiroki Kakuda. Not to say that one is quantitatively better. but. Um, I, I like Koshiro's style, and I like how he commits to a style in his games, but then can turn around and do something completely different the next time around and do it just as well. It's really Absolutely.
1: impressive. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I make no. Uh, I, I don't hide that he's my favorite composer. I talk about that all the time. And uh, next week, we're going to be doing our episode for the uh, Masters of EGM mm-hmm. event. And you better believe Kosher is going to be on there again. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. <laughs>
0: yep. Well, and um, you know we've been talking about it for quite a bit. Why don't we go ahead and get into your first block and listen to uh, some of what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll do that. We'll we'll count it down as the uh, destination blackout track did there a few times. Three, <laughs> two, one, and we're gonna kick off my first block here of of three tracks with the game that he worked on first, all the way back in 1985. So to, th- uh, to start things out, we're going to take a listen to Clepsidra, otherwise known as Level 9, from Xanadu Scenario 2, released October 27th, 1985, and this was composed by Yuzo Koshiro. up, we're going to be taking a listen to Hold Me Tonight from Misty Blue, released in March of 1990, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Closing out this block, we'll be taking a listen to the Toa Battle Theme from Time and Eternity, released on July 16th, 2013, composed by Yuzo Kishiro. Back in, we are talking about Klepsirdra, otherwise known as Level 9 from Xanadu Scenario 2. And this, like I said, the earliest game that Yuzo Kishiro actually worked on once he did start working over there at Nihon Falcom. And I've always really appreciated the Xanadu series. Um, The biggest reason because the, you know, it's an offshoot, I guess, because the second Dragon Slayer game was subtitled Xanadu. And then this being scenario two, they dropped the Dragon Slayer name and it was just Xanadu uh, scenario two. And the Xanadu series is still going strong. Like, they did just have uh, Tokyo Xanadu and the, like, the, not remastered version, but, like, a, a version with additional content for the Western audience, Tokyo Xanadu EX+. Um, so it's still out there, and I, and I do hope that Falcom returns to that eventually because I really enjoyed the crap out of that game. But I'm and the a huge fan. Dragon Slayer series
0: was also the, I, was say, to the series yes, well. I was just gonna say trail series yes
1: yeah. I was just gonna say I'm a massive fan of the Legend of Heroes like Trails in the Sky uh, second chapter and the third and then of course when we get into Trails of Cold Steel two three and four and we're yep. finally getting uh, Trails to Azure and the other one uh, that we haven't gotten that I'm forgetting the name <laughs> of at the moment. Yeah, um, we're getting those this year and next year from NAS America. So, still getting a lot of Nihon Falcom love here in the states, which is super nice.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of Falcom content, and uh, I have to say we played some we played some E's uh, on uh, your episode with me, and I think we, we have some a little bit later as well. I do. <laughs> and, uh, Koshiro, um Koshiro was too big for Falcom to contain. Uh, <laughs> but he was he is really so responsible, I think, for setting the tone for the Ease series specifically.
1: And going just the forward. Falcom sound in general. Yeah. Like,
0: there's so much of it that is, is like his early work, even to this day.
1: Absolutely. Like, I mean there's a reason that Ease is often considered like one of the most legendary JRPG, or even just role-playing series in terms of soundtracks that really influenced Mm -hmm. a lot of other series going forward. And all that comes back to Yuzo Koshiro, man. It's just his excellent work and just masterful stuff that he did with chiptune sound back in the day. This particular track here in general, Klepsirdra, um, that baseline in the background, it just mm-hmm. it just seeps into you, man. <laughs> it just it gets a grip on you and it doesn't let go. And we're gonna see that throughout. I think all three of these tracks that we're about to talk about,
0: they, I think so. They, in, they're in pretty their excellent. Own ways. Yeah. Man, especially I already mentioned Misty Blue on the episode, but uh, as soon as it started, just that beat. The 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 drums on this PC eighty (laughs) eight soundtrack are just so impressive. Like it's it's just so, so cool. It's like right out of an eighties dance club here in the States, which is exactly what he was going for with with that I mean it's Eurobeat, but
1: Much Super like Parker we Road played Gears in well. the episode with yeah. with maximum tune, like we had to mm-hmm. still get some more Euro beat here on the show. and this was released in like I said, um, this came out in 1990. And it was actually developed by Enix, which, you know, we would we all know would eventually go on to merge with Square to become Square Enix. Mm -hmm. This was a like a Japanese visual novel slash murder mystery style game. And I know we talked about it on the Hiro Kakuda episode last week. We talked about it a lot. Like a lot of these visual novels back in the day were kind of adult oriented. And the cover art for this game, it is adult-oriented, right? There's a guy and a girl, and she has her shirt open, and his hand is covering, Mm -hmm. like, her chest and everything. But the tone of the game...
0: Yeah, the game itself is is, much more... It's toned
1: down. Yeah, there's not a lot of sexual tones in there. They did state, you know, I did read a review on this game back in the day. I think maybe when we were talking about it for your episode, when we did it for Very Good Music... Um, the main character can like hook up with people, but it's not really considered an adult game, so it's it's pretty tame when it comes to the cutscenes and yeah. the stuff that you're seeing within the game.
0: More about the mystery. Uh, the main character, who actually is a musician, uh, had just spent uh, some years abroad in the United States, comes back to Japan, and one of his old friends, uh, who I think, I, I don't know if it's the girl on the cover, but it's a, it's a girl for sure, uh, you find out that she has been murdered and so um, that's why he has to figure it out. But a lot of the music in this game happens during, during cutscenes And since it it takes place in kind of a musical setting, since the music industry is involved, Koshiro really wanted to to highlight that with his soundtrack. I was was reading in, uh, in While we were listening to the song, I was reading uh, from Hardcore Gaming 101, they talked about that quite a
1: bit. Yeah, from what I remember, the music mostly plays in just like very specific scenes, very specific areas. And the rest Mm -hmm. of the game itself is pretty quiet outside of just the game itself. Which when you hear the soundtrack to this game is kind of mind-blowing because the entire soundtrack to this game is just, dude, it's top-notch. You and I could not sit still. And mm-hmm. like we could not stop talking about that beat and that just everything going on, dude.
0: Yeah, even back when the game was released in 1990, like they knew what they had because they um, some of the versions included the CD packet. So like. Even back then, they knew they knew they had something special in their hands with this soundtrack.
1: It absolutely was special. And this is the track that I think it's probably my favorite from the soundtrack. So I definitely wanted to make sure this was the one that played in the episode, where we're actually talking to Yuzo Koshiro. So I thought that actually fit yeah. perfectly. And, and then I love... Yes. As we get into your third
0: track, I love uh-huh. the spread that we have. We're jumping around all over the place. It's not chronological, so but no. but we have his his oldest game, and we also have a couple of his newest games on on the playlist, and we have a good spread of the, the stuff in between. And your next one is a, a good example of kind of that middle to late, um, I, I think, range. Uh, and man uh, go ahead talk about it because i got a lot to
1: say on this one. <laughs> i know you do so let me get this out of the way we're talking about toa's battle theme from time and eternity which came out here in north america back in 2013 almost a year after it released in japan this was actually developed by uh Imajipak, who went bankrupt and defunct like they closed down back in 2015 it was published here in North America again by N.S. America. They are saviors when it comes to translating Japanese games and bringing them over here to the states. They are just so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why Falcom's using them now to, to work on the Trail series instead of XSeed because though XSeed's translations were always stronger and better, they took forever. <laughs> Whereas N.S. Yeah. America can knock stuff out in like a year or two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Time and Eternity was a JRPG that released back on the PlayStation 3, and it centered around these two characters, uh, Toki and Toa. The name of the game in Japanese was uh, Toki to I and Toki Toa, um, or just Toki to Toa. And you played as these two girls throughout various like aspects of the game, kind of switching back and forth as the story. Dictated it to do so, and it didn't score that well. Like it's sitting at a 42 on Metacritic, and I enjoyed this way more than most people did. And I and I will and I should say, though I did say there are two characters, same character alter ego. Like, nah, like, I, I, don't w- I, yeah, like I don't, yeah, like I don't want to confuse people <laughs> that thinking it's two characters It is one character that portrays two individual characters throughout this game. Um, But the soundtrack, which Yuzo Koshiro worked on alongside Takeshi Yanagawa, was probably the thing that hooked me most about this game and the reason that I kept pushing through to the end, because there was never a dull moment when it came to the soundtrack. And you can kind of hear that with this battle theme, Toa's battle theme. Um, I, I know you're going to speak on this So I'll just mention it now The trumpet is the star of the show Outside of the shredding guitar
0: Oh my gosh That squealing trumpet man But yeah It's it's definitely up against that That shredding guitar But it's it's so cool Because the trumpet It really makes me think of Koshiro's work on the e Odyssey series
1: Which we have a track from later on The
0: guitar specifically Reminds me of both Motoi Sakuraba's work On the Tales series And uh, some of the work uh, Yasuna Matsuda but also Ace Plus Yokoshi Shimomura on the Zeno series yes and the, the backing um, the backing instrumentals the, the bed that those two kind of star instruments you know are, are, are canoodling in is uh, is also really reminiscent of the, the whole Zeno feel the uh, Zeno Blade Chronicles um, definitely But man, that trumpet. Uh, Shukapau, my son and co-host on Very Good Music, is a trumpet player. Actually, uh, is gonna be a senior next year in high school and is the first-year trumpet in the top band. And you can bet he is letting everyone know that. (laughs) He gets super excited. (laughs) But every time we play a track that's got trumpet like this, he just loses his mind. We did an episode about Cuphead earlier this year with Shukapau and his little brother. And um, there, there's a lot of really cool squealing, jazzy trumpet in the Cuphead soundtrack, of course. And I thought I thought he was going to explode. It's, it's, he, I'm going to have to play this. I was going to say, if he's never game.
1: heard this, and there's a good chance he probably hasn't, mm-hmm. he's going to have yeah. to listen to this.
0: And real quick, before we get into our uh, first block of questions for uh, Koshiro-san, I have to mention again, uh, we talked about this on your episode with me, or my episode with you rather, but when when that Xanadu game in 1985 released, that year Koshiro turned 18. Um, so he was super young, like he's super young compared to uh, Nobu Uematsu and Koji Kondo and of course the lately departed uh, Koichi Sugiyama. So it's, it's strange that he has such longevity. Like you also think about 1985, he has been composing music for video games for 37 years.
1: Right. He's only, and he's only 54, (laughs) plenty of years to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's insane, man. It is, it is just insane what, what this guy has been able to do.
1: Yeah. There's a reason he's considered one of the greatest of all time. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh.
0: Well, we mentioned that we started with Falcom, and it's fairly common knowledge that, uh, that after that, he went on to, um, to start his own company. And uh, actually, he talks about this a little bit. I was going to bring a track from Sonic the Hedgehog for the Master System GameCube, but the most famous one, Bridgestone, you've already played. So I didn't. I brought something else. But, I thought about uh, it too. Yeah. I thought about that too. <laughs> but I don't want to spoil your uh, your content. So these first two questions were, were yours for uh, for Koshiro. So you want to go ahead and get into it?
1: Yeah, let's do that. So we, we structured this like the first three questions in, in our list of six were mine. And the last three questions were yours. So our next block of questions will have one from me, one from you. But let's go ahead and dive into this. So first of all, because I, I have a feeling he's listening. Thank you so much, uh, Koshiro-san, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to actually not necessarily sit down with us but allow us to send you these questions and for you to provide responses I think that's just so freaking cool absolutely yeah I I, I love this so much yeah I love this so much but the first question that we wanted to ask was what was the driving force that led to the founding of Ancient Corporation back in 1990?
3: I started my company Ancient with my mother, my little sister, and my friends back in 1991 to develop the Gigi Sonic for the Sega game gear, and my mother became the first president. Some people think that I started Ancient just to make game music, but it's not necessarily correct. Technically I did it for both making games and music. I already had a connection with SEGA at the time because I created Revenge of Shinobi Music released in 1989. I established Ancient because SEGA asked us to do it. SEGA had to contract with a company for security reasons, not freelance. You know we had to deal with many documents and materials like music, graphics, and the scenarios. All of those are classified materials from Mega Drive Sonic the Hedgehog that we needed to use as a reference. We needed to carefully look into what the Mega Drive Sonic had in-game to port it to the game gear and the master system. That's the primary reason I started Ancient.
1: Man, that's so cool. And you, and you even, Bedroth, mentioned it, like, you know, right before we posed that question about the, the Sonic the Hedgehog music. And it's really cool that ancient core kind of like spawned from obviously him you know going off and becoming a freelance artist and working alongside Sega but I also really love the fact that this was kind of like a family corporation you know what I mean
0: yeah like his mom who was instrumental uh, no pun intended in uh, Koshiro's musical training and his sister, who was involved in uh, design in some capacities, were, were with him here. Uh, I also think it's really cool that like Sega wanted to use him, that like, yes. they would use him when he was a freelancer for Avenge of Shinobi, which we'll, we'll be hearing from later on, but they could not trust a just a freelancer without some backing with all of these materials for their brand new mascot character that they were rolling out. And makes me realize Koshiro had access to these sonic materials before the rest of the world did or Ancient Corp had access to these materials because they were developing it kind of concurrently with um with yeah, sonic the Genesis, Genesis, Genesis version, correct. Drive. Yeah.
1: Which is actually really cool. Like super cool to to kinda of get insight into that and, and learn a little bit more on, you know, how he got his start with Ancient and pretty much like you said, had access to this insane, you know, ah, what's the right word to use? Like, uh, mascot character alongside Mario. There's another word that I wanted to use there, but it's not coming Mm -hmm. to the tip of my tongue right now. But, um... It's it's really cool to to hear that and just to kind of get a little bit of insight into that. Like that's so neat.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And the fact that the work that he had already done was what kind of laid the groundwork for for this company, you know, becoming a thing.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And and a big reason for its success and continued success. Like there's a big reason for that, and it's just yeah, it's so cool that it that it continues on and you know that he was able to form a relationship with so many different publishers and developers and continues to do so right like later this well not this year next year uh he'll be releasing uh well not he'll be releasing but Yacht Club Games will be releasing Mina the Hollower and um do we have a? Yeah, we do. We'll save that. That's a question. We'll save that discussion. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> but I, I you know, remember Ancient that is, now. Uh, Ancient is uh, still active. Uh, Koshiro is now the president and, and CEO. Yes. Uh, but it is still. Uh, you can go to the website. You can take a look at what they're what they're up to, and they're they're still going um, to this day.
1: Still going strong. Still going strong. And and as we've alluded to a little bit throughout the discussions that we've had so far. Um, You know, Yuzo Koshiro's work has spanned 35 plus years, started in 1985 and continues on into next year of 2023. So, for the next question, what would you say is your favorite composition that you've done? And at the same time, what would you say is the most influential composition that you've done?
3: I'm not gonna lie, it will be the next one. (laughs) Seriously, but joking aside. If I chose my favorite, there is a it would be the Wangam Midnight series. It's my favorite because I love the dance music, house, trance, rave, and techno that I've created for the series for over 10 years. As you know, I created the house and the techno for the Streets of Rage series of the Mega Drive and the Genesis in the 90s, and I still love those genres. The Wangan series is so great for those genres as it's a racing game, a high speed driving game, that you get a real kick out of it when you drive while listening to them. When I've been working on the series, I have listened to a lot of trans music randomly and have been inspired a lot by them. So I can't say specific person who influenced me because there were so many artists and songs I loved, like System F, Sven Sandergalen. Paul Van Dyke, Tiesto, and so much more. It's the Eurotrance, melodic trance, if you will. A Director of the initial wangan series really loved the trance with vocals and asked me to use that style as average game players tend to love that kind of song. And I really, I really love it too. So it was enjoyable and exciting to make the sort of trance music for the wangan series. So it's my favorite
1: such a cool answer. And I think as can be
3: clearly seen from the
1: opening track that we played on this episode, we also love the Longer <laughs> Midnight series and that uh, just Eurobeat trance style that that he's talking about there.
0: Yeah, and I I like that, uh, uh, you know, you asked what was the most influential composition that, that he had done, and he actually took a different tack and told um, started talking about some of his own uh, influences. Yeah, and, right. Um, which uh, I also, I talked about a little a little bit later. So when one of the answers, entr- my questions is a little bit short later on. That's that's why. Uh, but. Um, but yeah, it was cool to hear him talk about some of the some of the things that had influenced him, you know, outside of, uh, uh, of game music. And-, and
1: some of the stuff that we don't really ever mention, like, because, you know, we just mentioned, like, the, the genre, but you don't really get into, like, the rave style or the, the trance style that spawns off of a lot of that club music. And to hear him kind of go in and, and talk about the Euro trance or the melodic trance and how the director of the... Um, of the the Wangan Midnight series actually mm-hmm. was, was a, a big, fan. big fan of that like trance style mixed with vocals. And that being a big reason why he leaned so heavily into that genre for you know the 10 plus years he's been working on this series. Like that's really cool.
0: And uh, yeah, I actually don't have any any vocal tracks on this particular episode. If I hadn't discovered Nor Destination I. Blackout, uh, we would. Uh, there technically a really good example, some vocals, um, right?
1: Like we could we could we could argue <laughs> there is some vocals in <laughs> there's, there. There's some,
0: there's some <laughs> VO in Destination Blackout, but <laughs> but if you want like a full on vocal track from this series, like he's talking about, um, Love and Gold, which I believe is from Maximum Tune Four, is really really fantastic so i definitely that's what i would have used if i had to discover destination blackout so i definitely encourage everybody to go listen to that
1: and i also love the answer to like what is your favorite composition that you've done right like he doesn't really hold one one. right the next one (laughs) the next one that i'm doing is going to be my favorite one because that's what i'm working on and that's what i'm pouring my heart and soul into at that time so at that time that's my favorite like which I love that answer. Why,
0: yeah, everything he does is, is so great. Uh, Kosh, Koshiro, I can't remember a time when I ever heard anything, thing and I thought, man, he's kind of phoning it in. He, he always brings his A game.
1: So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? Speaking of bringing his A game, let's jump into the <laughs> next block of tracks.
0: Absolutely. I'm really excited uh, to get into this. This first one is uh, one of my favorite video games ever. And uh, the next one is uh, one that I was super excited to to hear about. We'll talk about it a little more when we get back. But uh, switching gears a little bit, going over to the Super Nintendo and a uh, very different style of music. We're going to listen to North Wall, uh, one of the uh, maybe overshadowed tunes from Act Racer, released in November 1991, composed, of course, by Yuzo Koshiro. Next up, we have Purest Joy from Act Razor Renaissance, released September 23rd, 2021, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Finishing up this block, we have Boss 3 from Warriors of the Lost Empire, released December 12, 2007, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. And coming back, we're talking about Northwall from Actraiser, the original, released in 1991. And I've just got to say, man, I, I'm really glad. It's funny, though, the serendipity of how our blocks often pan out. And I'm really glad that this block is coming after yours, because you so different <laughs> one very distinct side of Koshiro. And now I'm showcasing another very distinct side of Koshiro. Uh, in these tracks you could definitely hear, I think especially in the first two, the Hisaishi influence, and um, this one, it's, it, it's got that sort of melancholy, it sounds cold, which is of course what Northwall in Actraiser is. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the basic um, mechanics of ActRaiser is it's a it's a combination sim world and uh, side-scrolling action game. Yeah. You play as basically God, and you have to come back to Earth because Tanzra, who in the Japanese version is Satan has um, uh, basically awakened and has turned the world against you and all of your followers have been killed. Well, so you have to uh, terraform the land so that your followers can come back, and then you have to go down and fight the demons that live in the land so that your people can be free again. And it's, it's a really cool concept that I think was executed really well, especially for the time period it was in. And uh, each area has kind of its own uh, sort of theme and climate and challenges you have to overcome. And Northwall is covered entirely in ice. It's the northernmost area in the game and so you have to melt all the ice before you can go down and kill the first round of demons so that the people can come back. And uh, this is the tune that plays in North Wall Act 1. It's the only only portion of the game where this plays. A lot of the other side-scrolling music is reused, but this is the only level that this one plays in. And it doesn't sound like a side-scrolling action song. It's really, really interesting. And I think it conveys that sense of desolation that North Wall is supposed to convey.
1: Absolutely. And... Hearing this track because you know this this is a very snowy, icy area, there was a track that we played I think it was actually on our first Koshiro Composer Appreciation episode from Ease One and Two Chronicles, The Ice Ridge of Nultia, which I, I, I hear some of that in this track as well.
0: Yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I can I can hear that too and the, the other cool thing about Accurator, um, so I'm getting in the weeds a little bit on this one, but the SNES is a sample based system, and it can play, I think, eight distinct sounds um, at, at any given time. Well, Koshiro wanted to be able to do more than that. So in 1991, within six months of the launch of the system, he created one of the most sophisticated sound formats that the SNES ever saw, like right up there with Tim Fallon. He actually developed a program, that a ROM-based program, so the same kind of ROM that we use now to play games on emulators, was a ROM that could change samples out while the song was going on so that he could pre-program different samples to be able to be, avail- be available at different points in the song so that he wasn't limited just those same bait instruments and that's how he was able to get such a rich sound out of this
1: which is just so cool man like we even talked about that last week a little bit on our hiruki kakuda episode like some of the ways that these guys find to Make the limitations of the hardware do what they actually want it to do. Like yeah. it's very impressive. And Actraiser is such a great game. I mean, I didn't enjoy the you know the side-scrolling action adventure segments as much as I did the sim slash town slash world building mm-hmm. because I yeah. love those in my Japanese games. Like, you know, those those are always <laughs> uh, some of my my more appreciated stuff. Anytime a game mentions it has town building features or town building mechanics. I'm all in. Like, I'm ready to check it out <laughs> yeah. right then and there. And that is one of the big reasons why I am so fond of this game on the Super Nintendo. Well,
0: and there's a lot of fondness for this game in our generation, which is why for so long so many people were clamoring for, you know, for it to come back. And there was a game that I think Koshiro may have actually composed something for that, like, tried to do the ActRaiser formula and didn't do it very well. And, like, it was so forgettable, I can't even remember what it was called. Um, and then last year... Help us out, Koshiro. Help us out. out what was it blue. called? <laughs> out of the blue, last year, Razor Renaissance was yeah. announced. Mm-hmm. And I lost my stuff. You did. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, you did. You were freaking was, out about
1: this. I remember. Man,
0: man I was so excited. And... Everything about the game has been enhanced. Um, I I am one who... Uh, I can be kind of leery sometimes of remakes because I think sometimes you lose the original charm of the game. And it does have a different feel to it. Uh, some people didn't like how some of the styles were developed. But for me, um, the side-scrolling sections are better. You have a wider range of moves that you can use and the levels have been fleshed out more. They still are not as fun as the town building segments, which have also been fleshed out. There's more depth to them, and your little angel character that's sort of your your go-between between you and the people has a lot more personality, interacts a lot more, and each area also has like a designated champion who arises as the story goes on. To help you fight the fight off the bad guys. Uh, there's also a tower defense segment that's been added to the town building area. That's I could I could probably do without. I wish there was a way to just completely turn it off. It's not horrible, but I don't love tower defense, um, and so it gets a little bit tedious for me. But that is the only thing that I could say negatively about this game. I love everything else: the art, um, the, the the gameplay, the depth of, of the actual story uh, this time around. And uh, purest Joy, my second song in the series, is one that plays when something happy happens, you know, during the town building segments. It's when things are going well. And the song definitely conveys that happy village theme, again, like something out of a a Studio Ghibli film or something from, like, Dragon Quest.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've definitely mentioned before, whether it's been on this show, I think I've mentioned it on this show, but I've also mentioned it elsewhere. I'm not a huge fan of Tower Defense either, like Mm -hmm. those types of games in that particular genre and games that kind of lean into that gameplay mechanic I, I tend to stay away from because I've just never found them fun but I do own this game on the Switch and it is going to get played eventually I don't know when but I will definitely jump into this and appreciate it all over again and I absolutely love that you know to kind of showcase this game and and talk about it more, you brought a track that is unique to this redone version.
0: Yes, so the soundtrack is phenomenal here. Uh, Not only do you have all of the original music in the original format, Koshiro updated all of the music, not just by reorchestrating it or just orchestrating it, period, but by adding new sections. So like Fillmore has a whole third part now, um, in the song when you listen to the Renaissance version that every every um, every song in the game that existed on the original version does it's been expanded but also there are 15 brand new compositions that Koshiro also went back and using the original hardware composed SNES versions of, and he <laughs> just, just went he all did. out. <laughs> yes, he just went all out for this, and it's it's so cool. This is one of it's the new tracks, wrong. and just as an example of how this game's kind of been fleshed out, one of the most famous tracks from ActRacer, uh is Earth of the People, which yes. in the original game plays every time you do any of the town building areas. Uh, you might also know it as the theme song from the Extra Credits series on YouTube. And uh, actually, no, the Extra History series, their spinoff series. Um, but in Actraiser Renaissance, I was really surprised because when I got to Bloodpool, the second area of the game, a whole new song played. <laughs> every area now has its own unique theme and Birth of the People only plays in Philporn, so uh, and I really liked all of them. I was a little bit torn on which track to choose which new track to choose for this one but I went with Purest Joy um, actually mostly because it reminded me of some of the stuff I played on that classical episode a couple of weeks ago. Yeah,
1: this would have fit so well in there. You and I were kind of talking about that while listening to it
0: <laughs> it's a, It is a waltz um, it is. and it's got the feel of some of like, like the minuet that I played uh, from the regular show game and I think it's really interesting, we talked about this a little in the last block, but Japanese music by and large, especially video game music, was influenced really heavily by Western music of the decades just before. Uh, it was influenced by rock and, of course, in Koshiro's case, by like, trance, house, techno, things like that. Um, and in film and anime and early video games, It was also influenced by Western classical music. And I think in 50 to 100 years, when future music scholars look back on the development of what we call classical music, They're going to include people like Joe Hisaishi, Koichi Sugiyama, and some of what Yuzo Koshiro has done in the evolution of classical music around the world. And tracks like this, I think, are going to be ones that showcase some of that.
1: That's one of those things that's kind of hard to wrap your head around because you don't think of that being or living during the time, right? Like, even people that were alive hundreds of years ago never thought that you know what I mean never thought that their music would be spoken about or or talked about so far into the future and looked back on so fondly and even like to Include or have it evolve to have new artists kind of contribute to that genre and that whole style. That's just—it's one of those things that's hard to wrap your head around. But and
0: nowadays, <laughs> with the way that we compartmentalize our 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 music, uh, uh, some classical scholars look at not as many these days, but especially when it first started, uh, like when film music and then game music, especially first started. So classical scholars kind of look down their notes at it, and it's like, well, this isn't real classical music. You know, you look at stuff like. Like um, um, Ennio Morricone and John Williams and Danny Elfman and Howard Shore, you know these film composers that are making excellent, excellent stuff. It wasn't considered classical music because it was attached to, you know, another medium. Which is really stupid if you think about it, because like <laughs> Ch- Tchaikovsky, the Nutcracker Suite—that was a ballet. That was like was, yeah, it was attached to something of going else. To a movie, exactly. Right, um, right. The Ring of the Nibelung. You know, uh, Wagner's famous Ride of the Valkyries. You know, uh, popularized by Elmer Fudd in the Killed the Wabbit cartoon. But Ride of the Valkyries—that's from an opera. And, and, and Brian
1: Danielson, come on now, let's throw out some wrestling uh, yeah, there stuff you go. as there well. You
0: go. You know, it's from an opera, and so, like, you listen to "Purest Joy, or the third track in this block from uh, The Warriors of the Lost Empire, just because these are attached games doesn't mean that they don't belong in the, you know, the the specter of classical music from from then to now. And Lost Regnum, actually, or Lost Regnum, Lost Regnum is the Japanese original title of Warriors of the Lost Empire. Boss 3 sounds like it could have come from, like, a Wagnerian opera.
1: Absolutely. Very, like... Uh, what's the word to you? I am terrible with thinking
0: of the right words. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's dark, it's brooding, it's, uh, it's, it kind of overwhelms you with just this, like, weight of of dread. And, um, also reminiscent of... Is that the right word? Is that the word I
1: was thinking of? Baroque, maybe? Um, Like the Baroque style?
3: uh,
0: Uh, it's, it's a little bit more in the romantic style, but... When people think of Baroque music, there is a darkness to, to some yes. of the Baroque music because it's because of Bach's organ. Of course, uh, Bach was one was the big Baroque composer, and he also revolutionized how the organ was used in classical music. And so, you know, when you when you think of organ, you think of stuff like this, like Phantom of the Opera. That definitely is rooted in the Baroque tradition. But this kind of just over the top melodramatic, you know, dread inducing music, uh, really found its its high point, I think, in in the work of, of composers like Wagner, who who were in the composing operas during the Romantic period. But this also sounds like you you were talking about, when we were listening to it, uh, Koshiro's contemporary Motoi Sakuraba, again, mm-hmm. with, like, the Dark Souls series.
1: Yes, when the, when the chanting kicks in, specifically in the background, and just what Sakuraba did with From Software and Dark Souls and Demon Souls and... You know, that's one of my favorite franchises in gaming, modern franchises, I should say. Um, we've gushed about Elden we Ring so much on, on so many shows, and we did a whole episode on Elden Ring a few weeks, <laughs> a month or so ago. Go check it out if you haven't listened yeah. to it. But, Absolutely um, great episode. You know Frank's going to love this track. This is going to probably be his, one of his favorites on the episode when he listens to it. <laughs>
0: Well, what do you say we get into the uh, next couple of uh, questions here?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So, we'll pick up our interview with Yuzo Koshiro with the last question that I asked. And if About you know me, your, I was gonna favorite, say, yeah. <laughs> if you know me, I had to ask this question. So, Koshiro-san, what was the experience like working alongside Takanobu Mitsuyoshi on the Shenmu soundtrack? Also, were you excited
3: to see the series return for the third installment? Shenmue was one of the most challenging works ever in my career. I worked at my house until then where you could listen to music with speakers as loud as you could get. But Sega wanted me to work in their office with Shenmue's other music staff for security reasons. Also, we had to have meetings smoothly and also we had a weekly meeting with Yu Suzuki-san where he chose the best song for a particular scene from the songs that all the music staff created, so I temporarily removed my PC and some musical equipment from my house and worked there. There are many music staff working together in a large room, so you couldn't use speakers so that you would distract others from their sound works. So you were able to use only headphones. It was very tough for me to compose with headphones as I couldn't catch an accurate lower tone or bass sound. So it was definitely a challenging time. mitsuya was sitting behind me working in a place with a desk where a lot of musical equipment and a PC surrounded him. It looked like kind of his exclusive cubicle. And he, he was very kind and gentle. He was also the person in charge of Shenmue's music staff. I had known him so well, because I am a very game music nerd I love one of his masterpieces, the Tsona USA, so I was privileged to work with them. And speaking of Shenmue 3, I haven't played it yet, but I was so glad that the people congratulated the release. And I beat the days when I worked for Shenmue in the Sega office, it brings back a lot of good memories. You know what, I love
1: hearing him just talk about what it was like to work on Shenmue, the challenges that he faced kind of... You know, going from like he said, working in his house with loudspeakers playing the music as loud as he wants to be able to hear things the way that he wants to hear it, and then when he started working on Shenmue alongside um, Takanobu Mitsuyoshi and several other people on the on the Shenmue franchise, having to for security reasons move basically all of his stuff, all of his equipment into their actual studios and into their development house and just having to compose moving from the way that he liked with the loudspeakers to only element, being able to yeah. use headphones like that would be it super really challenging it.
0: yeah like it brings it it brings it into clarity because I mean, who can't relate to being uprooted from your usual, you know, environment based on? I what work we've from been home. Going the I last can't imagine years. moving my stuff
1: now, right? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, and especially for something like this where, you know, you're used to be having the freedom that he talked about. But he did say it did seem like uh, he thought it was really, really cool to be sitting right behind Takanova Mitsuyoshi. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I mean, he, you know, you could clearly just in in the way that the question was answered and and the tone of his voice, you could hear the love that he has for him. And he even mentioned, you know, he's a he's a big gay music nerd himself, and and how he absolutely loved the soundtrack to Daytona USA. So, which I
0: think is fantastic.
1: It is fantastic.
0: I mean, how many people from the outside in would listen to something like this last block I did, and then listen to Daytona USA, and think right. the guy that composed this like really sophisticated classical stuff? Then you go back to Daytona, and like that's what he loves. But <laughs> but you know, when you listen to the first block, it, it makes sense. You know, Mitsuyoshi It absolutely is, makes sense. He's got that Kazumi Totaka thing where he's yeah you know it's that 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 cute um, cute funny eclectic style of music, but he does it so well that like yeah just yeah it's a joy to listen to, and this answer was a joy to listen to as well.
1: That would be like me getting to sit behind Yuzo Koshiro and do some work. <laughs> like I would be gushing. Yeah. just like I'm sure he was working on the Shenmue soundtrack. Like one of those things where you get to meet someone you have such fond admiration for and love for. It, it's it's a really cool feeling inside. And, you know, like Koshiro-san, I, I was so happy to see the reception for Shenmue 3. Obviously, you know, the game wasn't, like, critically well-received, like, you know, it wasn't getting 90s and 80s on Open Critic or Metacritic, but fans of the franchise that love Shenmue for what it was... It was a good third game, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that series will get to continue. Obviously, there is no guarantees. I did see that uh, Yu Suzuki did just recently announce another game, but it was unfortunately not Shenmue 4. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day. Yeah.
0: You've talked about this. you've, uh, You've talked about the Shenmue series a lot over the years, and... But it is cool that, you know, we're talking about two games that, uh, you know, you and I had been waiting on for so long. And then they finally came back. And even if the rest of the world maybe wasn't lit on fire by them, they were for the fans. And, you know, we loved we loved them for what they were. So
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously the, um, you know, the main Track that Koshiro composed for Shenmue. I think the one that you know he is he is most well known for from that series, "The Sadness I Carry on My Shoulders," is a track that we've played before here on the show. I think maybe even more that might be one that I've made an exception for. We may have played that. I I think you might have
0: brought that to my
1: episode, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Maybe maybe that's why I'm thinking I've played it more than once, but. I absolutely love that piece of music. It is probably one of my my favorite emotional just somber tracks that exist across the video game medium. I absolutely love it, dude. I
0: really do. It's a real masterpiece for
1: sure. Yeah, I really do. And uh, so
0: kind of coming off of that question when you asked about working alongside Takanobu Mitsuyoshi um, I, I had a similar idea for my first question which is, uh, Koshiro-san uh, you have worked with other composers in the past Past on games like Kid Icarus Uprising, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, and as we've discussed, uh, Shinbu 2. Do you have any fond memories or interesting stories about working with any other composers? And are there any who you would like to work with but haven't had the chance?
3: Shenmue is the most memorable game I worked on with other composers and composing music, and I've already talked about it in the previous question. But if you ask me about a person I want to work with in the future, that'd be a difficult question. I love and respect many composers and musicians. It's too many to count. So many composers have influenced me a lot. So it's difficult for me to choose just one person. I think that independent Japanese composers in the industry usually work alone in their workplace and it's rare that they communicate with other composers while working. And so do I. So, I don't have any exciting stories or special memories because I work along all the time during the project other than Shenmue. So I can't even think of anyone I want to work with right now. I don't want it to get me wrong, but I'd like to work along and not be bothered by people. You may need to consider balancing music, thinking all the time about what other composers do or what they think about the games and the music when you work with somebody or some people. I'm kind of not good at working in the kind of environment. So for me personally, I want to work alone and do almost all of the songs in a game just by myself now, if it's possible. But if somebody asked me to work with me, I would be honored and definitely Willingly accept the offer if all goes well.
0: You know, I think I think that's a really cool answer and um, and a really really honest answer. It, it makes sense, you know, if you're doing an art doing something artistic, that is a very personal thing, and I think having to line that up with somebody else's vision, it, it would be difficult. And
1: it's hard, even yeah, it's even absolutely Kikuda,
0: We talked about that with the Kakuta episode last year. He um, on one of the tracks. That for one of the games that he did, they had brought in another composer to do the title theme for, for that game, and uh, Kakuda was thrown oh yeah, even Ito. just yeah Kenji Ito yeah right? Kakuda yeah. was as, as great a composer as Kenji Ito is a different style than what Kakuda might have might have brought, and he was a little bit thrown by that when he was trying to compose some of the stuff later on. And, uh, but I do also think it's cool. Like, he prefers to work alone. Koshiro confer- prefers to work alone. But if he's asked to work with anyone in particular, uh, there are a lot of composers and, um, and musicians that he admires and, uh, respects. And if if everything looks good, he's more than happy and, and honored. He said to uh, to join them and that. And that we may see also... that often
1: now. Yeah, we see that yeah, often.
0: We do, and uh, we may actually um, you know come up uh, be coming back to that a little bit later in the show.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know what? It's just it's so nice to hear him say and mention Shenmu once again being the most memorable that he's actually worked on with other composers yes you can just tell he has a lot of fun memories of even though it was super challenging like you talked about earlier he has a lot of fun memories with that
0: yeah and i think because he was actually working in proximity to other composers which uh you know at the time i guess was out of necessity because again sega and their security uh their their security concerns uh, you no, know, security concerns have been pretty pretty good to Koshiro-san. It led to him founding his own company, and it led to him having his most memorable collaborative experience on a game. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: maybe silver lining there, silver lining.
1: Maybe, maybe he's contributing a track to Sonic Frontiers. I'm just kidding. We know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool, though. That would I hope that definitely. game does well. You know what? It, yeah. it doesn't look amazing really after the... So, I do. I have high hopes for it, too. And some of the gameplay stuff that we've seen, like, from the IGN first look this month, it's looked pretty good in areas, but it's also looked pretty bare in areas. Overall, I mean, it looks kind of yeah. rough, looks kind of bare, but the ideas
0: there are really, really good. And I kind of hope agree. they do sort of a, an ugly Sonic makeover thing like they did with the movie. And Delay take it till next year. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of people are saying, hey, delay it. You know, we want you to go back and fix it. We're fine with waiting. People want Sonic to shine.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I mean, if your will be a song to it, <laughs> that would definitely make it shine.
1: Absolutely, man. That would be But
0: you know man, I'm so looking at the fun. games in your in your next block now and I'm really excited to get to it. So what do you say? You wanna jump
1: in? Yeah, let's do this. So we are gonna This block has two of my favorite series that Koshiro has worked on being Ease and a standalone game called The Scheme, which I knew about, but I had only heard the soundtrack like once or twice before we started playing music on it in previous episodes here on BG Mania. And since I really dived into that game and really dived into that soundtrack, it's honestly become one of my favorites that Koshiro has has worked on. So I knew I had to bring a track from this game. But before we get to that one, that's in the middle, we're gonna start off <laughs> with termination from Ease 1 and 2 Eternal. This released May 23rd, 1990 and it was composed, of course. as everything on the episode is today by Yuzo Koshiro.. Up next, we have Challenging Tomorrow from The Scheme, released August of 1988, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Up on this block of tracks, we're going to be taking a listen to "Blue and White" from *Etrian Odyssey*, released May fifteenth, two thousand and seven, composed by Yuzo Koshiro. Coming back in, we are talking about termination from ease and ease to eternal, and yeah, doesn't get much more ease than that, man. Because man, this, this just rocks. <laughs> yeah, it literally, like I said, it has that ease sound that we talked about early on that Yuzo Koshiro helped develop while working at Nihon Falcom, and that became so influential for the JRPG scene going forward, like. That guitar in the background, man, it just as as usual for Ease, it just rocks. It shreds at times. It just it just freaking rocks. And then the synth that kind of like persists throughout the the track. You know, I love that aspect of Bashiro as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it's yeah. So good. And uh, your your next track is also a PC88 jam. And, it is. And what a jam it is, man.
1: Dude, it reminds me a lot of you know e- even the character of the scheme reminds me a lot of Ease. Yeah, he's got red hair, kind of looks like Adel Kristen. Um, but this track also has, like, kind of like the jogging scene of Punch Out almost, right? Like, you get that upbeat type, uh, triumphant feel. Yeah, definite good 80s workout, you know, throw on your spandex and go to uh man what did they used to do back then they still do that now I think my mom used to do know, that back in the day yeah my mom used <laughs> to go to those all
0: these, all these modern things like Zumba and stuff like that but yeah <laughs> they used to have all that stuff and uh, you know you could throw on quite a few of these songs um,
1: you absolutely Destination
0: Blackout and the, uh, that Misty Blue track and I think several of these would, would fit nicely into a workouts <laughs> workout routine
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Koshiro bring in bring in the energy for sure. And energy.
1: That's a good word to use for this. Energy, yeah, that is absolutely a good word to use for this. And, yeah, and
0: these first two tracks really they really blended into each other really well.
1: They do. And what's cool about the scheme, I don't know if we've talked about it previously, um, when playing tracks from this game on prior episodes, so this could be repeat information. I don't know. But For the release of this game, there were actually two different soundtracks that were put out there for this game. There was a normal version and a special version, with the special version actually utilizing the Soundboard 2 expansion, and it was the first game to actually utilize the Soundboard 2. Um, A lot of people consider the special version of the soundtrack to be higher quality because of the, like the way that it kind of handled the FM synth and everything. So I always thought that was kind of neat. There are actually two versions of this soundtrack out there. I think, because I'm not 100% sure, I think this is the special version that, that features the soundboard too. Um, but like I said, when we first jumped in... I wouldn't be surprised. This, this, yeah.
0: this sounds advanced for, for PC-88. It's, it's definitely on its way to... More sophisticated FM chips, like you find in the in the Mega Drive or Genesis, and uh, Koshiro, he loved him some some PC88 sound chip. He actually used that for uh, the composition of other later stuff, like Streets of Rage and Etrian Odyssey. He still composes on a PC88 for some of his stuff. Absolutely, which I think is just really cool.
1: And a lot of the the stuff that I really love from. Koshiro, obviously, you know, the Falcom stuff, like, it all comes from the PC 88. Like, I just love what he was able to do with that system, with that sound chip, and just be a complete master of it. Like, I talked mm-hmm. about before we started listening to this block, I didn't know a ton about the scheme before we started doing this show five plus years ago, and. I just happened to, you know, I had seen this game, I, I've all, I have always loved Koshiro's work, and have listened to pretty much everything he's ever done, so I had heard stuff from this game, but I never really, like, dived into it, or paid special attention to it. And then once I found—and I I don't remember the track that it was, but I found a track from this game that I had highlighted in a previous episode years ago, and I just fell in love with it and really just started exploring more and really uh, paying attention more to this soundtrack— and it became one of my favorites that he's ever worked on. Like, I love pretty much every track on this game. It it has his sound, but it, it's his sound in a, in a kind of a unique way as well. Like, he took what he did on Ease, he took what he did elsewhere, and kind of, like, blended it all together. And it really came into this special package that I just, I can't get enough of.
0: Yeah, I wanted to say that um, that your favorite Kushner track comes from that game, but I'm thinking now... You mentioned that one of the tracks you brought to my episode was, was your favorite Koshiro track, at least at that time. Because obviously things like that can 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 shift and change. But I'm wondering the cursed ship Queen Mary after disembarking from Sorcerian.
1: That's it. Mm-hmm. That's my other. Okay. That's that's the other um, the other soundtrack that Koshiro has worked on that I would say is in my like top definite top three. That. I, I, and obviously, the uh, third being Shenmue. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the cursed ship Queen Mary is by far, probably still my favorite track that he's ever composed. It's really cool stuff, then.
0: And uh, if it hasn't become clear, if you, if you like what we're doing here, definitely go back and check out Brian's first episode with Frank, uh, focusing on Yuzo Shiro and go check out my uh you know uh, my episode. episode of very good music <laughs> sister episode yeah the the the, the guide in as it were of uh, of this little two episode twos where Brian joins me if I uh, can't get enough of the two of us talking about Koshiro. And, and you know um, what?
1: There will probably be a part three at some point in the future, years from now. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't With get enough kind of, of Yuzo Koshiro. Yeah, there's... We, can, we could just... We could, do this forever, we could just man. turn this into a BG Mania featuring Yuzo Koshiro. We could just play his music every week and... You know I don't think people would get upset. Uh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well,
0: And if you really want a, a supersized dose of kosher, Row, I also will shout out my, uh, my buddy um, Daryl last weekend, uh, who was the host of the BGM Fight Club podcast. He released a special episode of the Fight Club, which he calls the Fighter's Lounge, um, and for, for Masters of BGM. And he issued the whole Mount Rushmore thing entirely, and he's like, I'm just going to put one composer up on a pedestal, and it's Yuzo Koshiro, here's 26 tracks, and he just goes hog wild. Man. Smart man. <laughs> so, go check that one out if you want more Koshiro as well. Smart man. Or curated Koshiro.
1: <laughs> oh man, but the last track that I had there blue and white from Etrian Odyssey. A definite different style, right? From Mm -hmm. Ease and Ease 2 and then the scheme. This just has a a much more mellow feel to it. Again, kind of calling back to your block that we listened to earlier with Actraiser and Warriors of the Lost Empire. A a much different style from the style of Koshiro music that I brought to the episode today. (laughs) I think this is (laughs) probably the slowest thing I have here. But That's cool, though, man. It's a nice, uh, it's nice, nice mix here, Absolutely, it is, and a lot of people modern, right? Like younger gamers, modern gamers that know of Yuzo Koshiro know him from the Etrian Odyssey series because yeah, for it, sure. it is a very popular series that Atlas has kind of. Just outside of Persona and Shin Megami Tensei, like they they kind of struck gold with Etrian Odyssey. I've never been a huge fan of like the the first person dungeon crawler type games, but I
0: was going to say, yeah, it, it suffers from with me, it suffers from uh, unfortunately being attached to a genre I just can't get into a game. But yep. but the music is phenomenal. It sure. absolutely is. And I mean, the is. games look really good. It's just a gameplay style, That's and they're not, fun not my games.
1: They're really yeah. fun games. It's just. That first-person style kind of walking as a dungeon crawler, it's just never captured me as much as the, the third-person view that most other JRPGs kind of follow. But I have played a majority of the e and Odyssey games. They are fun games. And
0: if you like that type of game, it doesn't get better in this
1: series. No, absolutely.
0: Al- outside Just of maybe really? Persona,
1: like some of the early Persona dungeon oh, crawlers. yeah. But I forgot some of the Persona games for dungeon crawlers. Yeah, Atlas
0: knows what they're doing, though.
1: They true. absolutely do. Like, <laughs> there's a reason that they're still one of my favorite developers and publishers out there. I'm actually looking forward to, um, they're doing the uh, Soul Hackers 2, I think, is actually releasing in August, if I'm not mistaken. That's their next game they're going to be publishing here in North America. I'm looking forward to playing through that. Um, Can't wait to check out that soundtrack. But yeah, Blue and White. From the original Etrian Odyssey, this is one of my favorite tracks from this game. Again, it's beautiful, man. I make no, uh, we talked about it last week on the Kakuda episode because I was blitzed out of my mind. Um, <laughs> you know, I definitely partake in smoking weed, and this is one of those tracks that you can just mellow out to. For
0: sure. Yeah. Really, really nice stuff. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I, like I said, I really like how this track is, uh, or this block is a nice mix of, of styles. Um, you, got the, you got the old, you got the new, and you got something in between, and, and they kind of you know, focus on different genres. My last block is going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, we do have our last two questions that we posed to Koshiro san. This is one of the ones where one of my questions was accidentally redundant because he kind of answered it in one of the earlier questions. And uh, that one is, um, Koshiro-san, what other composers, inside and outside of video games, do you feel have had an impact on your
3: work over the years? As I said, I love many composers and musicians. So many people have influenced me in my life. So it's kind of hard to be asked to choose just a person who has the biggest impact on me. Classical composers, rock composers, pop composers, dance music composers, and jazz composers. Probably more than 100 people respectively in those genres have inspired me a lot. So that's kind of a tricky question. I can't answer it.
0: You know, I, I respect that. And um, it would have been really easy probably for him to say, well, it was my mom because she taught me piano. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think that's really cool, though. And it does speak to his diversity of styles that he, like hundreds of composers across, you know, uh, a half a dozen different genres of music. Yeah. Are rock, really pop, on him. dance,
1: jazz. And as we called out earlier, classical.
0: Of course. Yeah, it's really 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 cool stuff and uh, yeah the answer absolutely makes sense in the context of this episode and of the, the interview specifically yeah
1: super cool to hear and
0: then, um, and then my last question uh, you mentioned it earlier actually that he's coming up going to be working on uh, you know the hollower uh, new yacht club games production and uh, we've also talked about uh, collaboration and how he would be uh, he would be open to it so Let's uh, get into our, our last question for Koshiro-san. Uh, you are working on the upcoming Yacht Club Games production, Mina the Holloway. Jake Kaufman is also slated to work on the soundtrack. What can you tell us about your approach to this music, and are you collaborating on any of the songs? Based on some of his previous answers, we may know the answer to that last part, but let's go ahead and uh, let's hear what
3: he's what got to say. I'm thrilled to hear that Jake Kaufman wanted me to join the project and work with him. I'm grateful. I had a know of him and the Shovel Knight, a well-known game he made a while back because my brother-in-law Ariga did the soundtrack's cover art, and I also know that the game is so popular worldwide and has a lot of fans. First I got some demo songs he had already made, then listened to them. All the songs are really amazing. When I heard them for the first time, I felt that the songs were kind of Castlevania vibes, and I immediately liked them because I was a very fan of the series. I hope he's a fan of Castlevania too. I think I'm also going to use this kind of style in my songs. But I can't tell you so far how many songs I'm supposed to write, but I hope it will be announced soon. I'm really excited to join the project and compose music for the game, and I can't wait for the release.
0: Very, very cool. <laughs> uh, nice to hear him You know, sing the praises of this younger composer, uh, Jay Kaufman, who uh, we may be hearing from fairly soon on the show. And uh, also, just, I I love that he mentions Castlevania. Obviously, you know, the Hollower does have a lot of, uh, if you look at the the early trailers, a lot of Castlevania influence here. And I am super excited to hear Koshiro go back to that sound. Uh, In 2006, he actually worked with uh, Michiru Yamane, the original Castlevania composer on um, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin.
1: Which is why I have that as my closeout track, based on uh, this answer. Yeah,
0: I yeah. Uh, can't wait. That That is some of the best Castlevania music I've ever heard. You know, Koshiro and Castlevania are a great mix. So, man, however many songs, Koshiro-san, that you get to compose for Meet for, uh, of the Hollow Earth, if, you, if you're still listening, uh, I can't wait. I, I'm gonna be here listen to all of them on repeats and hearing you and Jay Kaufman on the same game is just like a dream come true. I was gonna or, say that's a dream for both of
1: us right likely. there. Like that's a, that's a soundtrack that once it releases we, we're we gonna have to do a spotlight on because you know, oh, I love Koshiro so much and you love Jake Kaufman so much and I, I really do appreciate the hell out of Jake Kaufman as well. He is excellent at what and he does. And obviously I also
0: appreciate the hell out of Koshiro. Absolutely. So. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, man. But it was cool to hear him talk about like you know being thrilled that Jake wanted him to join this project and, and work on it obviously a lot of that maybe being because Mina the Hollower as you mentioned it does have so many Castlevania vibes and you know uh, Koshiro saying that he hopes he's you know Jake being hopes he's a fan of Castlevania as well but um, and I feel
0: like based on what we've heard in the trailer he has to be
1: he has to be he, <laughs> has to be he has
0: to be well and the, you know some of the Shovel Knight stuff yeah is it
1: absolutely and, is But to know that he's already received some demos from Jake on this game and how, like, you know, Koshira said they're all really amazing and he's really excited for you know, this information to start coming out, like, there's only been I don't know that there's been any of the tracks because sometimes when they do a Kickstarter game they'll have like a, a track or two that are on the project that you to get a sample of what it's going to sound like. I don't know that this one did. did you, it? Can, you can you
0: find a couple of songs on YouTube uh, for Mood you know, the Hollow, and I think that they may be pulled from the Kickstarter page, uh, but it, it is really cool because it, in a way, in a way that it seems like uh, Koshiro-san would be comfortable with, based on his previous answers, they are indeed collaborative. You know, Kaufman sent over the, the demos, and Koshiro is kind of using that to, to influence his own approach, which, again, is based on the style that he has done before with uh, with Castlevania.
1: And Absolutely. And getting to I work, uh, you know, in the comfort of his own home, once again, not being surrounded by people likes to work alone.
0: Koshiro-san, I just have to say again, um, Arigato, thank you so much for taking the time out to, to send over your answers uh, and can't wait to continue hearing more of your work and continue, you know, shouting out on the, on Twitter and uh, keeping that conversation going.
1: Yeah, this was an absolute pleasure to have you sit down and, well, virtually sit down with us and, you know, take time, like I said earlier, out of your busy schedule to answer questions from just two fans, really, right? Like, that's all we are. Yeah, we have Absolutely. a podcast. We, yeah. You know, it's, it's out there. It does decent numbers, but that's all we are. <laughs> We're fans. We're fans of video game music, just like he is. We're big video game music fan, like, nerds, like... we love that stuff yeah we love that stuff so just you know getting to not talk one on one but basically talk one on one like that's a dream come true like it really is with one of the masters absolutely Absolutely. one of the masters of EGM yeah right right.
0: well uh, I guess that means it's about time for our last block of music which is uh, my second block
1: this episode ended up running a little long but that's okay
0: Yep, yep, well we have a lot to say, for sure. <laughs> Everybody knows I have a lot
1: to say. <laughs> That's okay though, because you make the show better. Like I've said before, like uh, I
0: there's,
2: there, there's that.
1: a there's I a appreciate. reason that the show has gone back up in popularity since you've rejoined or not rejoined, but joined me full time. Like, you you definitely have a way that I don't speak. I speak in a very different way and take it in a very different approach and it's always a pleasure to hear
0: I think we we compliment each other well and it was uh, my pleasure to join you that you 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 had been doing this already for
1: four plus
0: years when I jumped on so here we go Alright, well let's uh finish up the uh, the circle jerk and get into our last <laughs> block of tracks here. <laughs> Starting with one that I'm really excited to talk about when we get back. Uh I think the most recent track on our playlist for 100%. today. We are gonna be listening to Empty Sun or Stage Seven from Soul Cresta, released february twenty second, twenty twenty two, two twenty two twenty two, and composed by Yusu Koshu. Next up we have the Shinobi for Stage 1 from The Revenge of Shinobi, released December 2nd, 1989, composed by And finally, we have Stultifying Work from Seventh Dragon 2020-2, released April 18, 2013, and composed by Yuzo Koshiro. And bringing us back from our final block of music, we have Empty Sun or Stage Seven from Soul Cresta. And man, this this was a cool find for me. I think that I I remember looking for some stuff on this game back when we were doing the episode of Very Good Music last September. And it, you know, it still hasn't come out yet, so there wasn't a whole lot of music out. Uh, but I remembered seeing the logo, and of course now it has come out. It's fantastic <laughs> I was I was torn between this one and the uh, the first track in the game uh, Neptune Storm stage one but in the end I just when that beat drops about 30 seconds in, I was hooked and I had to I had to go with it uh, the first track um, Neptune Storm is actually really reminiscent of early shooter games which uh, really briefly for some history on the series, the first game in the Terra Cresta quote-unquote series was Moon Cresta, way back in 1980, developed by Michibutsu for the arcade. Uh, Terra Cresta then came out for uh, home computer consoles in 1985, and it was a sort of remake-slash-sequel And Soul Cresta is the seventh game in the Terra Cresta series, which apparently is like 42 years old, (laughs) that's crazy. (laughs) And what's really cool about that is Koshiro actually cites games like Space Harrier and Gradius as really influential games on him when he was young and just starting out as a composer. And so for him to be able to come back and do something like this is just fantastic. Uh, I've got a little uh, snippet here from an interview I found on YouTube with uh, Kakucho Kurei. Um I will uh, send Brian a link to that so we can maybe put it in the show notes so you can hear it for yourself. But uh, it is is—it's subtitled, it isn't Japanese. But a snippet of what he talks about with this composition is uh, as the first title in the neo classic arcade series that uh, Platinum Games is doing. I'm very happy to have been involved with Bellameter, the composer. Soul Cresta is full of classic game elements, and I was extremely committed to creating the sound. I didn't just replicate the nostalgic sound with modern audio technology. I used the sound-making know-how of the time as a base to create sound. Then I brought to life a sound reminiscent of the 80s, and then at Platinum Games Request elevated it into a Neo kind of sound. If you played not just Mooncrest or Terra Crest though, but any eighties arcade game, I think you'll definitely get hit with a wave of nostalgia. And yeah, absolutely. This sounds like some of those games that you played from from his eighties work but sort of, again, elevated I think is a good word the word he used to kind of a modern sensibility for, for this new arcade-style game.
1: I've always loved Shmups, dude. And that's exactly what Soul Cresta is. Like, those games are so fun to me. They are so addicting. And to, to have him you know, do a, a composition like this, which he also did an interview on Platinum Games' website in a blog post where he mm-hmm. talked about um, a few months before finding out he was going to be asked to do the composition for this game by coincidence he was listening to and had a copy of the original terra cresta soundtrack using the pc 88 fm sound so it kind of just was like a big coincidence and it just all fell into place like he was destined yep. to work on this game
0: <laughs> which is so cool uh and i mean in a way i guess uh, all of his composition up to this point has uh, has destined for this and has led to this right Absolutely. As of as of recording, this is his most recent um, completed work, and uh, I'm I'm excited though to to get to uh, the the end here because I think it's going to be a nice preview, maybe, of what we're going to be looking for next. But first. The second block is uh, the aforementioned Revenge of Shinobi, uh, Stage One, or the Shinobi, and you can definitely tell this—this this is a um, maybe the most primitive-sounding track on the episode, which is weird because it's not the oldest but it was his first foray into uh, Sega FM composition. Yeah, he mentioned Revenge of
1: Shinobi earlier in one of his answers, yes.
0: He did, yeah. That's how he got into the Sega, which eventually led to the development of the founding of Ancient Corp. And it, it, despite the, the quality of the hardware that is obvious in this track, you can hear in this composition that some precursors to... That that Eurobeat or house or trance stuff that you would hear in things like um, like Misty Blue, like Streets of Rage, and even like some of the work that he did on Castlevania, uh, you hear that all the way back here in 1989 with the Revenge
1: of Shinobi. Yep, I absolutely hear that, and I've always been a big fan of this series. Like we've played a decent amount of tracks from the from the franchise. I know I think Frank used to bring tracks from uh, one of them. I don't remember which one. But it's getting late. Go back and, and find out. It's <laughs> yeah, getting late and my, my, my mind is going yeah. blank right yeah. now. But it's, Frank is a big fan of cool this franchise.
0: There have been several composers over there are. the years that worked on this series. There has so. been,
1: yeah. There definitely has been. Um, I think the one that I'm thinking of might be Shinobi 3, uh, Return of the Ninja Master, that he used to bring some tracks from from time to time on episodes of BG Mania. But the sound to this game has always been so iconic for being, you know, one of the earlier games on the Genesis. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's phenomenal what he was able to do here. It really is. Yeah. Probably not my favorite kind track of, from the game. I think we've probably played my favorite track from The Revenge of Shinobi before on a, on a prior episode. But the entire soundtrack from top to bottom is just excellent. It really is. A,
0: yeah, actually, the first track I thought to bring is the one that you have played Sunrise Boulevard. Before. Or Sunrise Boulevard. Yeah, yep. that—that I think that's is the my track favorite of the track game. from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yep. for sure.
0: But like you said, the whole thing is the uh, whole thing is really good. And this was the track that bumped Streets of Rage from the playlist today. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, you know, the Streets of Rage soundtrack, all of them, just they speak for themselves, and uh, everybody knows them. I was excited to be able to showcase some things that maybe some people hadn't heard on Absolutely. This uh, speaking of which, the last track in this block. Stultifying work uh, a, There's a $10 word for you From Seventh Dragon 2020-2
1: Stultifying even Japanese titles, <laughs> Tending to stifle um, enthusiasm Initiative or freedom of action you learn So it's like,
0: like office work Yeah, it's, you, it's you learn things here <laughs> But man, this, this track Maybe this track is like the antidote To stultifying work Because if you were listening to this I think this would chill you out Really help you get into the zone Just vibe. this this is the most mellow track, uh, in spite of, you know, by the blue and white, in spite of that North wall track, mm-hmm. this is just pure, like laid
1: back jazzy goodness. Yep. And it even has like, I mean, this is, this was released. When did we say this was 20, 2013? 13? Yeah. 2013. This came out, um, which was also kind of around the time where, like the the chill wave, synth wave, a lot of that yeah. movement was starting to get really popular from you know people that were bringing that '80s sound back, and this just is, is
0: and a, chill, yeah. Yes,
1: a like a perfect track that fits into that genre. it, it really is chill, man. It, it is so mellow. It is a good track to fall asleep to as we get late in the night.
0: Well, I think that we have established that Koshiro always has his finger on the pulse of uh, musical trends of the time and is able to uh, sort of sort of make them his own. And this was just a like, like you said, really chill composition. Nice way to finish out the blocks and finish out this really special showcase, uh, part two showcase of, of, of Koshiro's work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know neither one of us really have any experience with uh, Seventh Dragon 2020-2 um, this game only did come out in Japan what's cool, Hatsune Miku did appear in this game as a non-playable character and uh, I-, I think that they said that basically like every vocal track that is featured in this game is is technically supposed to be sung by Hatsune Miku which you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of her I have a few t-shirts of- of- with Hatsune Miku on them, I- I've always been a big fan of her as a Vocaloid but um, the only game that I've played in the Seventh Dragon series is the one that did release here in North America back in 2016 on the 3DS uh, Seventh 3DS Dragon 3 Code VFD, which, again, is a dungeon crawler. So, you know, I wasn't like super enthralled by it by any means, but it was a fun game. And it was nice to finally get one of these games in English and in the States because other than that, it was kind of locked to Japan.
0: I feel like Koshiro has been attached to the series. Did he do that one as well? Seventh Dragon, which
1: one? Seventh Dragon Three Code VFD. No, he did. He, he did. did. He did work, he on, did that. He did work on that. He did indeed. work on that. Yep, VFD. I do see that. <laughs> but did he do? So he did Seventh Dragon Twenty Twenty, and he did the original back in two thousand and nine on the DS. So yeah, he's pretty much done all the work on this series.
0: Yeah. He tends to looks like he does tend to
1: stick with his uh, with his series for for the most part. Which you know, when, when he's able to was which. also developed by Imagipak, who was the same studio that was behind time and eternity from earlier on in the show
0: okay there you go very cool stuff so he, uh, you know, he makes these connections in the industry and he, he holds on to it. Absolutely. I'd really like to see him come back and do some more work for, for Sega. Uh Should have Because uh, I don't, Sega wasn't involved <laughs> with, um, with Streets of Rage 4, were they? Um,
1: I don't, I don't know way that forward. He, he was. Yeah, that was, when did Streets uh, of Rage so 4 come out? So he was involved. Out.
0: He did some work on Streets of Rage 4. Yes. But I'm trying to remember. Oh, also, I saw some news today. It has been confirmed that Koshiro is attached to work on the menu music for the Sega Genesis Mini 2. Okay. Which was exciting to see. Yeah,
1: because he did do the menu music for the original Sega Genesis Mini. So, I mean, the the connections with Sega are still there. They're still there.
0: Um, Sega was not involved with Streets of Rage 4. No, that was Dottie Moo. Yeah, so um so Koshiro was. He was still with the series. He actually lasted longer than Sega did on the Streets of Rage which, which is funny to think about. But man, this is this has been a blast. It's been it's been fun to do this episode with you. As yeah. long as it has drawn on. Yeah,
1: we definitely uh likely are, are going potentially one of the longer episodes we've ever done, but that's okay, like you mentioned earlier, we did have a lot to say, and of course we had to dedicate enough time to do those questions and answers and, and to discuss Those answers, because that's the whole reason this episode is existing right
0: now. Absolutely, yeah. If you are a first-time listener, uh, they, they don't usually run quite this long. Nope. But uh, this is this is generally what you get, minus the the interview questions. It's just a couple of guys who love game music and have some some aligned taste but slightly different taste, but a very broad range of appreciation for video game music playing some songs and talking about them Absolutely. The you hear, go back and check out some of the other
1: episodes go do that subscribe make sure you follow us and before we get on out of here Koshiro-san did mention in that last answer we posed about, or that you posed, about Mina the Hollower, and, you know, mentioning the Castlevania vibes and how he's such a big fan of that series, and as we know, he did get to work on the 2006 release of Castlevania Portrait of Ruin alongside, you know, the the goddess of Castlevania, basically, Machiro Yamani. Um, this is one of my favorite tracks from this game, though the gears go awry from Portrait of Ruin. It's it's so classic
0: Castlevania, this. dude. Yep, yeah, I almost had this in the playlist, and the way it starts out with that Baroque Castlevania sound Yep, see, we brought another term
1: gets that gets I used earlier that, back.
0: Yep, absolutely, and then gets into that classic Koshiro Euro trance beat. It's the perfect way to close out the episode, and and to possibly predict what we might hear in his work from Mina the Hollower
1: yeah tune in make sure you uh, make sure you keep an eye on Mina the the, the Hollower it's going to be released at some point in 2023 should be excellent and, and like I mentioned earlier once it does come out Bedroth and I will likely spotlight that soundtrack on an episode of BG Mania because how can we not absolutely um, it's going to have to happen <laughs> Yeah, you said it best, man. This is, this has been probably one of the most fun episodes that we've got to sit down and do. Uh, definitely I think the most special episode that we've gotten to do here on BG Mania to date um, yeah I, I'm so excited with how this turned out I love it me too man it's been a blast all right but I do think that is going to bring us to the close of the show this week unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here
0: I, uh, I don't think so I think that's uh, we've already talked about Masters of EGN we've talked about my show we've talked about your old episodes and uh, we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. the uh, the amazing Yuzo Koshiro
1: and so we, we, we could talk for another two hours if we wanted to <laughs> we could keep going because the man deserves it really does absolutely but we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible of course by RPGera.com. if you like video game music and more importantly you like us and you want to help grow the show check the description box for ways you can do just that including a link to join our discord community click it join it and interact with us Taking us out of this episode, once again, we are going to be taking a listen to The Gears Go Awry from Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, released December 5th, 2006, and composed as everything was today. Once again, you heard him on the episode, Yuzo Koshiro. And Bedroth, one of the coolest things to come out of doing this interview in this episode, outside of the questions and answers themselves and getting to actually virtually talk to Koshiro-san, but really one of the coolest things to come out of this is that we have a closing for the episode today from the man himself, Yuzo Koshiro, which who knows? I might just end up using this as our closeout going forward because can't say it any better than this. Koshiro-san,
3: take it away. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.